Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And we're live. Miles, how you doing, man? Dr. Stephen Cutler. What's up, man? How are you? The third. Good, good. The third. It's a beautiful day here. I don't know why the third. I just came up with that right now. But okay. uh, I'm not a doctor and I'm not the third. But <clears throat> well, you're you looking good this. today. How, how's the day? The weather's, weather's good here in Utah. How is it for you? It's beautiful here. It was gray all day, but it was like beautiful gray, like the sun would peek out every once in a while and go back in and, but the weather felt really fine. The last couple of days has been really humid. Today, the humidity had dropped. So we are, it was actually beautiful out. And um, I ran over to uh, Tiago school and the campus is really nice. So I've been out all day running around. It's, it is, it's pretty stunning out here. Yeah, beautiful day. We, we've had some weird weather in Utah. Typically at this time of the year, you got some heat, but it's been, unseasonably warm and then uh over the weekend we had some monsoon rains come in really? in fact it flooded a lot of areas yeah there was uh there were some videos showing flooding in the streets of downtown salt lake um i think my sister one of her neighbors they did flooded into their home which it's pretty rare when you see that uh especially this time of the year we don't get a lot of monsoon it's not like ohio when we lived in cincinnati We'd get those rainstorms in the uh, fall winter time that would just dump. I mean, massive, massive rainstorms. And Utah's just not that way. So it'd be kind of weird to see that. Uh, I don't know. This whole climate change. Maybe we should do an episode on climate change. Yeah, like uh, people's personal experience with it because, you know, you might have all the, not the deniers out there, but the one thing you can't deny is things are happening. Things yeah, are yeah. happening. I was watching something the other day about apparently somewhere in the States, it might've been Ohio or wherever, somebody was electrocuted and died um, during a storm where they said the electricity was has never been like this. And they kind of attribute it wow. to what's going on with the climate. But there's a lot of things that are going on that we have not seen. Well, we haven't seen them in our life. And I don't know, that, that's the interesting part of the climate change debate is, has it happened before? And we just don't have record of it. Because one thing I can tell you is I've never seen weather like this where I live. Um, you know, when I was a kid, summers were pretty predictable. Winters were pretty predictable. Right. And that's just not the case anymore. You know, it, it, it doesn't snow until later in the year. The summer now is unseasonably hot. We've gone through periods of drought and periods of where we get more snow, but it's far less predictable than what it was. So it's uh, things are changing, you know, and and I, I think that uh, we've got to observe it. Years. I lived yeah. in New York City uh -huh. for forty plus years before I moved to Utah, and while I was in Utah, the Sandy Storm, where you actually saw flooding in the subways, I had never seen that really huh ever it had never happened in new york city and then there was another storm years later same thing 
I had never been in New York City and seen anything like that. Yeah, so it makes you wonder if some of these things are anomalies, if we've got some actual change going on. It'd be an interesting thing. We, we need to get a climate change expert on here and um, we do. maybe take, yeah. take both sides, yeah. you know, talk about it from both sides. Because I, I thought about that the other day of how um, the climate really seems to be changing where I'm living. And right. um, I'm, I'm fascinated, I'm curious by it. You know, it's talking about change. I mean, things change constantly, but... Far too often in life, I think we get used to what we're used to, meaning that the beliefs, the habits, the things that we have done for as long as we can remember, and maybe even before we can remember, we still hang on to those things for a long time. And that's a big part of what we're going to talk about today. You know what I find interesting or funny, though, is that you and I, we, we've got a weird synchronicity going on, you know, and, and it's been going on for a few years where... I'll call you up or you'll call me and we just randomly will talk about whatever. What are you reading? What are you studying? And this concept that we're going to talk about tonight, you didn't you didn't call me and say, hey, you should start studying this. I didn't call you and say, hey, look into this. We just started a conversation one day and and found out that we're both diving pretty deep into this concept of limiting beliefs. You know, and I, I know it's a topic that you've studied before. It's something that I've studied before. Uh, but it's really funny how we have this synchronicity and then we're able to uh, talk about, debate, discuss these ideas. And so uh, this was another one of those where we thought, hey, it's uh, we got the synchronicity. We're going on uh, <laughs> on our uh, regular friend conversations over the phone. Why not turn it into an episode? So that's kind of what we're thinking tonight. Well, think about it this way. It's not things that we've studied and read. Is things that we've experienced. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's one of the biggest pieces too, right? I've experienced my limiting beliefs. I've felt them in my yeah. guts. <laughs> yeah, it's become so, the wall that we keep running into. It's yeah, funny, a I put a tweet fact, out the there gap. the other day. Uh-huh. What's that? Go ahead. I said, that's the, the gap. gap. You... I think the gap is when you study it, it becomes theoretical but at the same time, it's theoretical. Uh, it's still yep. a living part of you. And you're like, okay, I got the tools to escape limiting beliefs, but my being still steeps me in my limiting beliefs. So you always yeah, yeah. fighting that battle. Well, you are because you, you want to be comfortable, right? I mean, we all want to be comfortable. You all want to stay in that scientific state of homeostasis. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I put a tweet out there the other day talking about that those those who know and those who grow, the biggest difference is the, the frequency at which they uh, examine their limiting beliefs. I had somebody respond to my story saying, well, that's actually not true because you can't examine your limiting beliefs. You can just examine your beliefs and um, and then you find out that they're limiting, which um, I, to a certain degree I agree with. But at the same time, if you ask yourself what are my limiting beliefs? I actually think you can examine them. And I think that you can get to a point where you find them and you don't necessarily have to run head first into the wall. You know, it's not like a Mack truck coming and smacking you in the face every single time that you have a, a limiting belief. So we thought about this episode that it's going to be a little bit different from our regular episodes. You know, typically we take a topic, we talk about it or we're interviewing somebody about that particular topic. Uh, so for our listeners, this episode is going to be a bit more action oriented. And what we mean by that 
is that it's an episode that's going to take you through a process. So if you're typically the type of person that's going to be listening to us in the car or while you're doing something else, this probably isn't the episode for you to listen to doing your normal day-to-day thing. In fact, we would recommend that if you don't have the time to listen to this episode, uh, where you can dedicate your time to uh, to really focusing and going through the practice, uh, put it off. Uh, schedule some time. Do it tomorrow. Do it the next day. But listen to this episode with the intent to go through the practice. Because in order to get the most out of this episode, we want you actively listening. Uh, we want you actively involved, pausing, participating, and really engaging with the content. Uh, we're going to walk you through a process to help you identify and uh, begin breaking the chains of that, those limiting beliefs. So, Miles, I, th- I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Are you ready? Yes, I think I am. That was a long pause. <laughs> that, was, that was like, okay, here we go. Well, because, you know, you feel maybe. a little vulnerable. Maybe. That's a big old maybe. If you're about to expose yeah. yourself, yeah. You, you feel vulnerable, you know? And and the one isn't that a funny thing? Yeah, you're afraid of what people think you're gonna or think about how you think, right? I mean, what a weird thing that is. You're afraid that people are gonna judge how you think. That's strange to me, but we all do it. I I don't know if I'm worried about what people will think, as much as I will be voicing something loudly, and I'll hear like the contradictions, possible hypocrisies. Mm. Now, sometimes when you say things loud, yeah. you know, it, it, it almost sounds like you're, you're hearing how simple it can be to get over them. And you and the second question is, well, why haven't I done that? Yeah. Like, yeah. What's the, what is the power of the limiting belief? Because the limiting belief in the face of knowing what it is expressed loudly, you kind of ask yourself, yeah, I, I can't shatter that. So it's almost like a confession. It's like I could give two shits what people think. Uh, it's almost like a confession to myself. Yeah, good point. So that's, good point. That's what really gets me feeling vulnerable about. In, in a way, it's funny because we look at it and we say, "Why haven't I done something?" Because when we recognize what those limiting beliefs are, we realize how stupid they are. Right? It's it, it's the yeah. thing that's been holding us back. There's that story of. Uh, that's used over and over and over again, that if you take an elephant when they're a baby and you tie one of their feet to a stake with a rope, and that elephant pulls on the rope and it can't pull the stake out and it struggles and pulls and struggles and pulls, that at a certain point it will give up. Now, as the elephant grows, still tied to the same stake with the same rope or something like unto it, it could pull it out. It has a physical capacity to do it, but it gave up because right. that belief that the rope is strong enough to hold this now massive element is still there. And, and far too often, that's what our limiting beliefs are. And it, it, is, it, it, it can feel embarrassing. It can feel like an exposure. It can feel like a, uh, almost a disappointment in ourselves at times. Like, why haven't I fixed this before, right? I think there's a yeah. myriad of feelings that can come yeah. out. But um, I'm excited to go through this. And and like we discussed, uh, so the, the process tonight for our listeners, I'm actually going to walk miles through a process 
that I've been using for some time now, and I've seen some amazing results with it. Uh, and I've also used it in my coaching of other people. So when I speak to companies or when I'm doing one-on-one coaching with people, this is a process that I've been using. And there was a point recently where I was coaching somebody on it. And I thought, cow, you know, Miles and I have been talking about this. We need to teach this. This is something that we need to provide to the world uh, so that if there's one person out there, two people out there that uh, see some benefit from it, that's great. So for our listeners, here's how we're going to structure this episode. I'm going to walk Miles through a series of activities and I want you to follow along with us. But in order to do so, you're going to need three things. The first thing you're going to need for this episode is something to write on. So that could be a journal. It could just be a blank sheet of paper. Uh, It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you could use a whiteboard. I don't care. Whatever is in your practice, um, that is something that I want you to get. You need something to write with, a pen, a Sharpie, uh, something that's going to resonate with you. Now, don't think that you're going to type this stuff because they're without going far too far into the science of why that's not as effective as writing. Um, you just got to trust me on this one that if you use a pen and paper or something tangible that you're writing with, you're going to get a lot more out of it. Last thing that you're going to need is some sort of ball that you can hold in your hand and squeeze. So that could be a tennis ball, a racquetball, a lacrosse ball, something like that. But it's got to fit in your hand. And you've got to be able to squeeze it. What is that ball you have there? Uh, I like it's a that. massage ball. It's there you go. Ball. Looks like a bumblebee. <laughs> it really does. Yeah, that's cool. Okay, so let's get started. Um, Miles, uh, I'm going to read you a definition of the word mindset. And then I want to break it down for you and for our listeners. So a mindset is our deeply held beliefs our attitudes, and our assumptions that we have created about who we are, how the world works, what we're capable of, and finally, what we deserve and what's possible. So we're going to focus in on a few of those things. So let me read that faster for our listeners. A mindset is our deeply held beliefs, attitudes, and assumptions that we create about who we are, how the world works, and what we're capable of, including what we deserve and what we think is possible. Now, we're going to hone in. Can I interrupt for one second? So, simplistically put, a mindset is, flip that word, a set mind. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Which goes back to something that Carol DeWick talks about in her book, Growth Versus Fixed Mindset. Um, if you haven't read that book, highly recommend it. After you do this exercise, go pick up Carol DeWick's book, get it on Audible, get, write it down, whatever it takes. Read that book. It's one of the best books that you're ever going to read. All right. So let's focus in on the first word, deeply. So for something to be deep, we have attached meaning to it. Deeply held beliefs are the way that way because We've created them with significant emotion, or there's a significant memory that's tied to them. The state at which a belief was created can be a powerful anchoring of that belief. That's where depth comes from. So to get deep, we must have dug, or this this belief burrowed its way in, which means that we must have planted it, or we pushed it or we buried it with thoughts, emotions, and energy on top of it, just like you would plant a seed. 
Deep also means that it was pushed in or pushed down has now become part of the long term memory and it lives in our subconscious. As part of that subconscious, it's now wired deeply into the operating system and not just the software. So think about it like this. If you're a software engineer, you're a person that writes code. Now, when you're writing code for software, that is something that is tells the operating system, it tells that, that piece of software what it's supposed to do. When this happens, do that. Deeply held beliefs are like code that gets embedded inside of us. So in a way, we're under its spell. We're coded that way because of this belief. We've got a line of code that's embedded deep inside of us into our operating system, and that allows us to function until we strip that line of code out and we replace it with code that works. I think it's also so, important to know that that code can be imposed from an external source. And yes. it can also be um, something that you have planted inside you. So you can have an external source, mothers, Absolutely. fathers, churches, cultures, whatever, impose a belief that you that goes unchecked, that you firmly embed in yourself. And the other version, um, what Steve is talking about. And, and I would say it, it's important to recognize, because this is something that comes up in coaching sessions that I do with people, is people will say, well, this is what my religion taught me, or this is what my parents gave me. And they want to blame that uh, entity or that person or their bad childhood or whatever it was, regardless of whether you put it in or somebody else did. Once it was there, you allowed it to be there. Now, there's right. nothing wrong with that, because if there was a belief that you picked up at five years old or eight years old or 12 years old, you probably didn't have both the mental capacity and certainly not the emotional capacity or bandwidth to be able to recognize this and say, hey, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to put that belief in there. Right. So you right. pick those things up over time. What's not important is where it came from. What is important is that it's yours. You own it. And you are the one that if you take full accountability and full responsibility for your life, you say, hey, that's mine. I own it. Now I've got to change it. I've seen far too many people get stuck in this fixed mindset and say, I got this from so and so. My mom did this to me. My dad did this to me. Whatever it is, doesn't matter. It's now yours. You own it. Now, while you weren't responsible when you were younger for these beliefs that came into you, you're responsible now as an adult that as soon as you recognize it, you have a responsibility to take up accountability. You know, you have to account for it. You have to look at just like an accountant has a balance sheet of the debits and the credits. You now have to look at this and say, hey, this is something that's pulling from my account. This is something that rips from my uh, from my emotional bank account. This is something that rips from my intellectual bank account. And now I'm accounting for it and I got to get rid of it. I have to address it. So part of what happens when people challenge old beliefs is that when they rewrite the code, they actually break the system. In fact, I had somebody call me recently um, in tears and said, Steve, I need some help. I don't know, one, who the hell I am and two, what the hell I should be doing. And I said, why? And they had built this foundation based on a certain system of beliefs that now was crumbling underneath them. And they said, I just, now what? What do I do now? Now that, now that I don't believe this and I do believe that, 
what can I do? And so it's important to understand that there are certain things that when the code is removed, they will break part of the perception that you have of yourself and the way the world works. That's totally normal. That's part of the evolutionary process. But that's also the beautiful piece that you have the ability now to create the life you want. So the processes don't work because so many other things were tied to that code. For instance, if I believe that I was born dumb, that I was born with a lower level of intelligence, and then all of a sudden I realize that, you know what, I'm not dumb. I do have intelligence. All of the lies that I told myself related to that will start to crumble, and now I won't even know how to move forward in life. But that's where the power of creativity and the power of imagination comes in, which we'll get to in another episode. But in order to remove something that's very deep, we've got to replace the deeply coded material with something that works. So, for instance, and I want you to write this down if you're listening to this episode. Remember, this is one of those active episodes. This is not a driving in the car episode. If you're going to change the code internally, you have to pay attention to, number one, other thoughts that were tied to that belief. Now, you're not going to find all of those thoughts today. But what will happen is you become aware of the thoughts that were tied to that belief. So there's one code that relies on another code in this operating system in your brain. Pay attention to those. Keep a notebook. Write them down because you're going to have to deconstruct those over time. Number two, you're going to have to change your environment. There are certain triggers in your environment that you have that you're not even aware of. If you call yourself a fat person, if you feel like you can't uh, lose weight, stay in better shape, well, there are environmental triggers that are feeding into that belief. Every time you walk by the potato chip aisle at the grocery store, that's a trigger. You need to change your environment. You need to go uh, maybe on the edges of the grocery store and just shop where the meats and the fruits are and never go down the potato chip aisle because that's the thing that triggers you. If when you walk into your environment, you don't have books on bookshelves and you've told yourself that you're dumb, you need to change that. Get some books in, right? So there's there are things about your environment that you're going to have to change as you change some of these deeply held beliefs. The third one is your dress and your appearance. Now, again, this is a visual cue that reflects back. It gives you feedback. It feeds you. Okay, think about that word, feedback, feed. And then back, it gives back to you something that feeds you. So the way that you take care of yourself today visually plays a major impact in the beliefs that you have. If you want to change a belief, you're going to have to change something about the way that you take care of yourself. Maybe it's just a, uh, a change to your haircut. Maybe you dress a little bit nicer. Maybe you brush your teeth a little bit more, whatever it is. But there's got to be something about your dress and appearance because you're going to see yourself in a different light. The fourth thing is you're going to change your actions and your habits. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about that today, but you actually have to start doing some things that change what you do, and you've got to deconstruct and then reconstruct certain habits. And then finally, the last thing is you have to change the words and the spells. You think about this, that we cast spells. That's the, the term spelling literally means that you're casting a spell. You're putting something out into the universe that casts a spell. 
And so you're going to have to change the words that you use. Now, there are three V's in communication. There's visual, verbal, and voice. Visual is what you see. Verbal is what you're saying. And voice is everything from tone, inflection, all of these other pieces. So in order to change these beliefs, you've got to pay attention to the words and the spells because the spells hypnotize you. They mesmerize you. If you're going to create a new belief, you've got to pay attention to how you're being hypnotized and mesmerized. All right, so we just covered this concept of deeply. Let me read the, uh, the definition again. So a mindset is the deeply held beliefs, attitudes, and assumptions we create about who we are, how the world works, and what we're capable of and deserve and what is possible. Now, Miles, let's talk a little bit about held. Okay. Gay Hendricks, uh, in one of his great books out there, talked about this concept of upper limit problems. And an upper limit problem, as he just defines it, is really when we hold tight to a belief that um, just stops us from going forward, kind of like we talked about before. It's the wall that you keep running into. So, it's like grabbing that racquetball or the or your yoga ball and holding it tight. So this is where we're going to jump into the exercise. Are you ready to exercise a little bit, Miles? Yep. All right. Now for our listeners, here's what I want you to do. If you know what your limiting beliefs are, put us on pause for just a second and write them down. Write down two or three of your limiting beliefs. And if you're not sure how to identify your limiting beliefs. Let me give you a few prompts to get you there. Now, before the episode, Miles and I talked and he wrote down a few of his limiting beliefs. And so as he goes through this episode and gives us his honest reaction of what's happening to him, uh, he's already done this exercise. So for those of you that are listening to us at home, go ahead and put this on pause after I've read through some of these prompts if you need them. But to identify a limiting belief, there are about four things you need to ask yourself. So First is, is, that, is there a belief that you have that's stopping you from moving forward and it's been nagging you for some time? So it's kind of in your belly, it's in the back of your brain and it's saying, hey, you know what? We're not sure if this belief still resonates with us. Number two, it's the thing you've been ignoring. In the quiet moments when you're going to bed, it's the thing that wakes you up in the middle of the night and it doesn't go away, but you've been ignoring it. That's a great sign that that's probably a limiting belief. The third thing that you can ask yourself is, is this something that you think about and that particular and this particular thought stops you from moving forward? You may feel optimistic and positive, and as soon as you think about this belief, it stops you from moving forward. That's, that's a limiting belief. And finally, another prompt you can use is, is this thought something that takes the wind out of your sails, or in other words, it deflates you? If you have energy, you have motivation, and you think about this particular thought, it deflates you and brings you down to less than where you are. Now, this is a great time to write this belief or write these beliefs down on a piece of paper. You can pause this episode. You can come back to it once you've got that written down, but I would encourage you to write it down. Again, don't type it, write it. You need to feel it. You need to see your own handwriting. Miles, I know you're, you're ready to go, so let's get started. So if you're a listener that has written your beliefs down, you put us on pause, now you're back. I want you to walk through this exercise with Miles 
just like we have been, uh, or just, just like you're going along with him and experiencing this with him. Okay. All right. So Miles, here's what I want you to do. We're going to start with step one. I want you to take that racquetball or that yoga ball that you have, and I want you to just feel it. Pay attention to the weight. Feel the texture. Now, you're just going to take all of this stuff and you're going to internalize it. I don't want you to talk about it. I don't want you to verbalize it. I just want you to feel the weight. Feel the texture. Is it smooth? Is it rough? If you squeeze it, does it, does it push back or does it um, yield to your pressure? What is this? So, limiting beliefs on eroticism? <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Now, Miles, I want you to slowly remove your shirt. <laughs> so feel the tactile nature of this ball. Okay. Okay. Now we're going to use this ball and this is going to represent your, your uh, held belief that you have. Okay? okay. Now we all have these beliefs, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your belief and I want you to hold it at a 90 degree angle out in front of you. So your arm is, is the upper arm is going to be kind of at the side of your body. Arm is, elbow is at a 90 degree angle. And now I want you to feel the weight of it. So when you're holding it there, how heavy is it? What, what, how, how long could you hold that miles? If you're just arm shoulder in arm is, you know, elbows touching the side of your body and you're at a 90 degree angle, how could you hold that right there? Oh, probably forever. Like a long it's not time. very difficult, right? Yeah. No, long I, I, I start nope, to feel no the weight deal. of my arm before I started to feel the weight of the ball. Okay. Now, with the palm up, and you're, you're, again, your arm is in on the side, and so you're at a 90 degree angle right here. With your palm up, I want you to squeeze that ball. Okay. So put some pressure into it, and once you've got once you're squeezing it, I want you to squeeze just a little bit harder. Okay. Now squeeze it and then pay attention to what's happening in your fingers and your forearm. Where are you tightening? Where are you tensing? Do you feel it in the upper arm? Do you feel it in the shoulder? Where do you feel it, Miles? Forearms. Forearms okay. and fingertips. So for our listeners, I want you to take note. Where are you feeling it in your body? Now, wherever you think you can get the best leverage on this ball, I want you to squeeze it as tight as you can. So again, we had you at a 90 degree angle. I don't care how you put it now, but just with one hand, I want you to squeeze that ball as tight as possible. Maybe your hand is going over. Maybe you're putting it down by your side, whatever, wherever it is. Put that ball in a position where you feel like you've got great leverage on it, but you're still squeezing it with one hand. Yeah, I, got, I have it at my side. Okay. So my arm is fully extended downward and I'm squeezing it. That's where I get the best leverage. Okay. So you're squeezing it harder. Can you get more pressure on the ball with it down by your side? Yeah, I can. All right. Now, here's my theory. Now, again, this is a theory. I haven't tested this with hundreds of people. This is just something that I tested with a few. I've tested with myself and I've tested with a few other coaching clients. My theory is this, wherever you move the ball to, that's the area where you tend to hold a lot of stress with that particular belief. 
So I want you to pay attention to the nuances of emotion that come relative to that limiting belief. So for instance, if you're putting it down by your side, you might be at the type of person that packs your belief into a suitcase and you carry it along with you, right? Now, final, final step here. I want you to grab that ball with both hands. And with the ball with both hands, I want you to press in on it and squeeze it as tight as you can. And I want you to think about it that the more you press, the more crescendo that is happening here, you're, you're getting more and more contraction as you go along. Now, as you push and you get leverage on it, this is what we would call a dogma. This is a deeply held belief that, that represents more of a deeper dogma that you're holding on to. It's so embedded in you, you may not even be aware of it, but I want you to pay attention to where are you feeling that pain? Where are you feeling that pressure? In a way, this is kind of the ghost in the machine. It's got a mind of its own. The pressure that you're feeling from this dogma is holding you. It's running the machine because the code is so deeply embedded and you may not even be aware of it. All right. Now go ahead and set the set the ball down and we're just going to do a body check. Now for our listeners at home, this is where you pull out your pen and paper and where you use the ability that you have to recall. So the power of recall is important. It allow it, it forces you to be uh, present while looking back. So you're developing part of your 360 degrees of having hindsight, insight, and foresight. We're going to use insight and hindsight right now by using this recall. So Miles, the question that I've the first question I have for you is, what stress did you feel when you recognized the ball? Meaning that when you were holding it and you were just touching it, and there was that tactile sensation. What did you feel? What was the stress inside of your body or what was the sensation that you were feeling? Oh, I felt this, the, the, um, the, the, the tactile nature of the ball. I felt what the ball felt like as I started to grip it. Um, I felt less of the ball and more of the tension in my, my forearms, fingertips, same thing when I was squeezing it with two hands. I felt more in my forearms. And it was almost as if I felt so much tension in my forearms and fingertips, I didn't feel the ball anymore. Hmm. That's an interesting thing to note. You know, so you think about this, like how would that relate to how you respond to stress? Now, see, one of the things I've noticed is that when I ask the question, how do you feel when you just recognize the ball? What, what did you feel like? Some people will say, well, I don't know. I felt the, the weight of it, or I felt that it was smooth, or they may describe it in very simple terms. Other people might be more descriptive. Oh, I could smell the ball. I could feel the, the, um, that the ball had a softness to it, that it was more pliable. I think all of this relates to how we relate to our limiting beliefs. Sometimes, you might be that person that just looks at it and says, I don't know, life's hard or I'm good. And you use very simple terms, but you don't recognize the nuances of it. Now, let's move to the second question, Miles. When you had the ball out at a 90 degree angle and you started to squeeze, what changed? So you went from feel the ball to holding it here at the 90 degree angle. What changed in your, 
in, in your body? What sensations came up? Well, I felt less pressure when I dropped the ball to the 90 degree angle. Okay. Um, it was less resistance. Um, the resistance actually shifted from my shoulder to to a little and lessening of my forearm to more in my fingertips or just below my fingertips. Okay. Muscles that had to contract in my fingers. So I felt it more down there and I felt an alleviation of pressure in my elbow. I mean, uh, shoulder and forearm. Okay. Now, if you were to hold that ball at that 90 degree angle, how long do you really think you could hold it for? I want to come back to that question. Could you carry it around on a regular basis? Yeah, I could. I mean, I don't know how long I could hold it, but I could hold it significantly longer as opposed to when I had the ball up. Okay. You know, I, now, how much it, do you think your ball weighs? What is it? Pound two? No, no, it's, it's half a pound. More, half a pound. Uh, this is more ounces. It's a really light ball. Okay. So even that half a pound ball, if you were to carry that around and I told you, Hey, you have to carry this around every day, all day long. How long would it take for your body to get out of balance? Even with a few ounces. How long would it take for my body to get out of balance? Yeah. If you had to hold that in your right hand from when you woke up in the morning to when you went to bed at night, you always had to hold that ball. Couldn't set it down. You couldn't do anything else. Body to get out of balance, but I mean, there would be a significant amount of discomfort. I don't know where yeah. that discomfort would take me in terms of, you know, falling back down on my bed because it's just getting too much, sitting down. I, I don't know what it would do there, but um, you know, it would be it would be upsetting. <laughs> yeah. You know, if Here's I had a funny thing. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying if I had to do that, you know, my, my gait might change. I'd probably yep. start to get a little exasperated, tired, maybe even pissed off. Yeah. Mentally, emotionally, it would wear on you, right? So yeah. here's, a, here's an interesting thing I learned years ago when I was working in health and fitness, and, and my primary specialty was on fixing people's postural problems to get them to a higher level of performance. So whether you're a professional athlete, a collegiate athlete, or uh, a busy professional, uh, I would work to fix problems and get people functioning at their highest level. Well, one of the biggest pro problems that I used to fix, especially with executives, is they had an imbalance in their hips. And part of that came from because back in the day, people would take their wallet and they would stick it in their back pocket and they would go sit on that. And when you sit for several hours a day and you've got a wallet in your back pocket, little by little, that changes the way that your hips are balanced. It shuts down certain muscles on the side that you're sitting on versus the other side. And little by little, you create this nuanced change. Now you multiply that over days, weeks, years, and and you are in a in a terrible spot after about thirty years of doing that day after day, and it would take a long time to create a, a more balanced hip that that client then could function with. It's the same thing with our beliefs. 
We don't notice them until they become a problem. And sometimes it can take us uh, weeks, months, or even years of holding on to that belief before we actually feel the pain. That could be physical pain, emotional pain, um, whatever pain it is. You, you may not notice it for a really long time. Okay, now, uh, Miles, final two questions. Next one is, when you moved to the ball to get the most leverage, where did you move the ball to? Directly by my side. Okay. So again, this goes back to my theory of wherever you're moving it to get the most leverage, that's probably an area of your body that you're going to feel a lot of pain and stress when you get stressed because you're carrying a belief around. The reason I bring that up is I want you to learn to pay attention to where the stress is coming into your body. You mentioned things like your fingers, your forearms, your shoulders. What I've found in coaching people is that oftentimes there are these entry points into the body, meaning that if a certain person gets stressed, they always feel it in a certain area. Maybe it's the right trap or the left neck, or they tense their shoulders up, or they feel an upset stomach or whatever it is. But wherever your stress entry point is, I want you to make note of that because knowing yourself and knowing your body is crucial to getting rid of your limiting beliefs. Final question is, how did you feel when you really got on top of it? Meaning that when you put both hands on that ball and you were using all of your faculties to create that pressure, how did that feel? Where did you feel the stress of that belief or that dogma, right? That's what we're using as, as a representation of belief or dogma. So Miles, what did that look like or feel like for you? When you were pushing on that ball with both hands, how did you feel? Um, how did I feel when I had it with both hands? Uh, obviously, it was more firm. I had it, it was more, uh, I think you might like this. It was more firmly embedded. <laughs> mm, I like that. <laughs> because the, um, obviously the distribution, you know, holding, holding the ball and then having my second hand hold the ball also was um the the weight was distrib dis distributed evenly so it took a little pressure off the right hand which i was holding the ball with but the i was holding it more firmly because i had both hands on the ball okay now for our listeners i want to back up just a little bit and i want to walk through some ideas and some theory here Okay, we're going to do the body check. And let me reiterate why the body check is so important. And I actually want you to write these things down. Because if you can recognize where you're feeling the stress, first and foremost, you're going to be able to have a system of identification. And what I mean by that is the system of identification allows you to identify where you feel pressure and stress relative to each one of these limiting beliefs. So we're going to go back through. Now, when you felt the ball and you just touched it, the tactile, I want you to pause here and write it down. What did it feel like? Are you one of those that just describes it in one or two words? Or are you somebody that goes into the deep nuance? 
write that down and observe it. There's nothing wrong or right about either one. And that's something important to recognize is that we all respond to stress and we all respond to limiting beliefs in our own unique way. There's not a right or wrong to it, but you do have to recognize where it is. The second one is that I want you to write down is what stress did you feel when you were holding the ball at that 90 degree angle? Then I want you to write down the answer to the question of how long could I hold this before I start to feel stress, tension, and pressure? And maybe even ask yourself, how long would it take in order for me to have an imbalance from holding it at that 90 degree angle? Now, listeners, the next thing I want you to ask yourself is what stress and strain did you feel when you were squeezing it at that 90 degrees? Where are you holding on to the tightness and the pressure? Next, when you move the ball to get leverage, where did you do it? Now, some people I've seen hold it over their head. Some people push it down. Some pull it close to their body. There are organs that represent that are representative of, of these stress points. Like we mentioned before, Miles holds uh, his down by his side, and that could just simply be that he feels like he's going to get the most leverage from it, or it could mean that you tend to carry your stress with you. It's external. I've seen some people hold it up over their head, which means that uh, a lot of their limiting beliefs are in the clouds or they hold it close to their heart, which means that you've deeply embedded these things. Um, so it's important to pay attention to where did you go when you were trying to get the most leverage. And then finally, when you put both hands on it and you were focused on pressing, where did you feel this? This represents the deep dogmas that you have. Where did you feel that pain and stress? So take some time, do that body assessment. You can go back through, hit pause, take your time to write that down your answers and then come back to us. Now, Miles, here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab that ball and get into the leverage point. So not two hands, but I want you to hold on that ball and I want you to squeeze it as tight as you can. While you're squeezing that ball, I want you to read the limiting belief that you have written down. And if you feel like it that, that it's in your practice today, say it out loud while you're squeezing as tight as you can. Now, so say that again. Do you want me to? I'm squeezing the ball at squeeze the, the ball at the optimal leverage point. Yeah, wherever you can get the. So if it's down by your side, squeeze the ball oh, okay. at that optimal level. Squeeze okay. it as tight as you can. Okay. Right. Now I want you to read your belief, and you can either do that just in your mind or you can read it out loud. Okay. okay. I don't really care. So you don't have to expose yourself on the episode if you don't want to, because the reality is none of our listeners are going to expose themselves right now. They're just doing this in the privacy of their own home. Well, so mind. if you're all right, so I want you to hold that, squeeze it as tight as you can, because I want you right. to feel the tension and the pressure. And I want you to recite one of those limiting beliefs. Okay. Uh, one of my limiting beliefs is that I am too old to proceed with understanding physics, the mathematical part of physics. All right. Okay. So now that you've got that in your head, I want you to get on top of that ball even more, put both hands and squeeze tighter and tighter and tighter. Okay. Now read again, that limiting belief while you're putting as much pressure on as possible. 
So keep I'm, putting the pressure and read that belief one more time. I'm too old to go out and understand the mathematical parts or teach myself the mathematical parts of physics. Okay. Now for our listeners, keep following along. Miles, I want you to squeeze that as tight as you can. Keep going. Keep pushing as hard as you can. And I'm going to count backwards from five. And when I get to one, I want you to just drop that ball. Okay. So you're getting tighter and tighter. It's more and more pressure. Five, the pressure is building. It's mounting. You're getting tense through your entire body. Four, you might even feel this pressure going down into your hips, to your legs at three, you feel like at two that you can't hold on to it anymore. And when you get to one, we're dropping. Drop the ball. Okay. All right. Okay. Now, the ball's dropped. I want you to change your state. Sit up, stand up, get into a state where if I said, hey, show me what confidence looks like, get into that posture. And then we're going to repeat a few mantras. So we just threw away a spell. You had spelling, you wrote things down, you were casting a spell on yourself with this limiting belief, and I want you to cast a new spell. So for our listeners at home, after you've dropped the ball, I want you to say things like this. I no longer believe this. I no longer need you. I no longer believe in you. I will no longer hold you. I will no longer give you my energy. I will no longer give you my time. I will no longer give you my focus. And finally, you no longer serve me. So you've just cast the spell and broken that belief. Now, here's the crazy thing. Gay Hendricks talks about this when he talks about this concept of hitting those upper limits or these limiting beliefs that we're running into that far too often we're taking this ball, we're squeezing it, we're holding it. We have so much tension, so much pressure, so much stress, and we don't, we don't realize that we are the enemy. We're the one that's holding on to it. We are the one that's grasping it. We are the one that owns it. And as soon as we let the ball go, that pressure can go away. And if you look at that belief and realize that it's not a part of you, it's external, and you tell yourself, tell that belief that you don't believe in it, that you don't need it, that you're not going to hold it, that you're not going to give it energy, that you're not going to give it a time, you're not going to give it focus, and that it no longer serves you, that belief can disappear and go its own way. Now, Miles, with dropping the ball and repeating those mantras in your mind. Talk about how you feel. Well, it's, it's, it's weird. Um, uh, it's weird because I, I approach limiting beliefs from a whole nother perspective. So okay. it's hard to say to do the mantras um, and, and feel the actual mantra of releasing a limiting belief. It was, it was, it was, I was trying to make the connection between it. You know, at one point I closed my eyes and I said it. Um, I, I, sometimes I think that, you know, limiting beliefs need to be excavated in a different, different way. So I had a tough time matching the mantra 
of automatically feeling that that limiting belief was gone. If that makes yeah. sense. And, and you bring up a great point. And that's something I want to recognize with our listeners is it's not going to be gone forever. But as soon as you stop putting pressure on it, you're no longer giving it your energy. As soon as you stop squeezing it, you're no longer giving it your time. As soon as you stop holding on to it, you're saying to it, you no longer serve me. Now, does that mean that you've eradicated this limiting belief from? No, this is a process you may have to go through a few times in order to get rid of this, right? Some beliefs, you might just have to recognize them and say, well, that's stupid. Of course, I can learn physics. Of course, I can learn mathematics. And it might be a one and done. Whereas other beliefs might be ingrained and they may be linked to other parts of the code that's within you. And so it's going to take some time to unravel and unweave these things in order to get rid of them. So you're 100% right. You're not going to eradicate every single limiting belief in that particular moment. But what you do is you're sending a signal inside of your body that that belief is no longer going to stay with you. And you can repeat this process over and over and over again. Because what a lot of people don't understand is that our bodies work, our memories work via visualization and pictures, right? If I said to you, um, toothpaste, do you envision T-O-O-T-H? Do, do you spell it out in your mind? No. Or do you envision the toothpaste, right? You just envision the toothpaste. You just see the toothpaste. You might even see yourself yeah. brushing your teeth. Well, that's how our minds work. That's how our memory works. And so what we're doing in this particular situation is you're imbuing that ball with your limiting belief and you're going through this process. And then once you've done it that one time, you can always come back to that. You see, tomorrow, if you're starting to study physics and that limiting belief creeps back in and says, Miles, remember me? All you have to do is access memory at that point and say, wait a minute, I've already dismissed you. And you can in no time access memory and you can visualize what you just went through and you'll drop that belief. And each time you drop it, you're creating a new neural pathway, which makes it easier and easier to get rid of that belief. And at a certain point, as you no longer give it your energy, your time, your focus, it'll stop knocking on your door. It'll eventually go away. You're scratching that for me? your beard. <laughs> I'm just thinking about. No, I'm just. This, this, this whole I'm pausing process. because I know you're. I know you're a deep thinker, so I'm pausing and, and I'm watching you scratch your beard. I want to know your thoughts. Well, I'm just. I, it, it's it's very interesting because um, there's probably many as many different ways to conquer a limiting belief as there are people on the planet, and yeah. it, it depends on how belief has been embedded with somebody and then asking the question of what is it what is it preventing you from doing um, one of the ways that i've always looked at it is ask yourself to do something give yourself a project and then if you can't see your way through the project something stopping you holding you limiting you 
is to just recognize that. And then you ask the question, what's stopping me? Yeah. Great and, way to recognize or limiting belief for sure. Yeah. What, what's, what's stopping me? And once you ask that question, what's stopping me, you'll probably come up with an answer. And this is the work that's done. That's really small. It's, it's almost mm -hmm. akin to the idea of marginal gains. Yeah. Because I yep. think sometimes we look at when we want to do something, we look at the big picture. We almost look at the end results. And that's so overwhelming that that being overwhelmed creates a limiting belief because you're looking yeah. at too big of the picture. But well, you believe that ask, you have to tackle the whole thing all at once, right? That in right. and of itself is a limiting belief. Right, right. Right. So if I were to ask you, do you, do you speak any French at all? No, say that again. Do you speak any French at all? Uh, very, very little. Yeah, very little. Very little. So if we were to yep. take a language, I want to find a language that you don't speak any. Let's say German uh, or Portuguese. Italian. Yeah, Portuguese. Italian. Although I can, I, I understand some Portuguese because I understand some Spanish. So let's right. say Italian. So we take Italian and you want to learn Italian. And I give you an Italian phrase. And you say the phrase and you say it over again and I give you what the meaning of the phrase is. Interestingly enough, you have learned Italian. Right. It's that simple. Now what you have to ask yourself is, how do I create endurance to learn more? Yep, yep. And so if you had a vocabulary of three words today and you increased it by five words tomorrow, you're speaking Italian. Well, you're the not reality speaking is... Italian. You're not speaking Italian, you know, fluently with a bunch of people, but that's coming. And, and, and you, you bring up an important point because not everybody uh -huh. who speaks their language fluently has the same level of vocabulary as any, as everybody else. Right. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. We can sit here and you and I can go back and forth in a conversation and people might hear this conversation and they'll hear 20, 30 of the same words. Right. Whereas you listen to someone else and they may be, uh, they may have a larger vocabulary than we do. Right. And you'll hear 50 words. Right. But to your point, yeah. we're speaking that language. Yeah. And the other thing is when you think about speaking a language, you're not going to learn the language, the, the particular language you want to learn. You're not going to learn how to speak philosophically in that language, scientifically. You're going to learn how to speak colloquial, everyday. Um, practical. Of that practical, of that language, until you decide right. to become proficient or you want to learn how to speak to a philosopher or a religious person. And now you're just increasing your language base. So again, this is, has more to do, is less to do about learning a language and more to do with moving through your limiting beliefs moment by moment, step by step, 
because something said in you, oh, you can't learn a language. Learning the language is too hard. Yep. Yep. And hard is your limiting belief. Hard is that ball. And the minute you learn three words, there was a guy who used to do this thing to me in New York City. It was really funny. He would put something in his hand and he would say the words, try to take this. And just the word try, you always thought it was some kind of trick. And yeah. then you would reach yeah. down, you would take it, and you would take it. And after you took it out of your hand, he said, that's what everything is. You just go and learn how to do it. You just take and it. You just take it. And the limiting beliefs have a lot to do with, one, this idea of becoming successful. And people fail to realize there's in my mind, when I've studied this stuff, two types of success. One is your success and the other is being recognized for your success. You have direct control yeah. over your success because most success, which we fail to see here in America is a man or woman, a person sitting at a desk in an office, working on whatever it is they're working on. We don't see that. What we see is the recognition of that success and the wealth and and the the praise that comes all with the that external type of success. all the external right. stuff all of the external stuff and that's far too often how people gauge where they're at right even right. relative to these whatever your limiting belief is it's am i gauging off of what that other person does Am I gauging off of what the trappings of society tell me I should have, right? Oftentimes, that's where the limiting beliefs right. are, uh, are, are lying, right underneath the surface. Yeah. And I want to bring it back to for our listeners that once you identify these limiting beliefs and you've gone through this process of identifying, and you've gone through this process of making sure that you now have a a visualization, you now have a story that you can tell yourself relative to this limiting belief. To Miles point, you have an opportunity to immediately move forward into a new belief system. So if your limiting belief is I can't learn Italian, and you've gone through the process and you've been squeezing the ball and you drop the ball, you do the whole thing, then you go learn one word. You now have proven that belief wrong because you right. learned Italian. All it takes is one word. All it right. takes is one phrase, and you've now proven that wrong. Right. I am not strong. Well, you do two push-ups, you're going to get stronger. I am not smart. Right. You go read a page in a book, you are immediately smarter because you read that page in the book. It doesn't matter right. if it took you five minutes to read that page, right. 10 minutes to read that page, you are immediately smarter. So whatever yeah. your belief is, you've got to have a process, a system of recognition that you go through and that you break it. So Miles brings up the last point that we want to do with our listeners. And Wait, that is- going, I want to say something real fast because you said something, you said something that is ridiculously important. Okay. It's ridiculously important. And you said these three words, system of recognition. Mm -hmm. That is ridiculously important because it means that with each tiny step you take, you are recognizing your success. 
Right. Right. Limiting beliefs are almost like ghosts. You can stick their your hand. They're like clouds. When you look at a cloud formation in the sky, um, clouds look real. And if you've never been on a plane to drive or fly through a cloud, they look concrete. But when you're in a cloud, you can't see it. Yeah, you're just going through it. And limiting beliefs yep. affect long-term goals. A limiting belief can still be there, but if you are recognizing, if you are aware of the steps that you're taking, as and the limiting belief can still hang over you, but you recognize, I've learned one word in Italian. Now I've word, learned two words, three words. I've learned a sentence. I've learned a paragraph. All of a sudden, that limiting belief you really get to see is just a ghost, a mist that you can stick your hand through. It's not concrete. It's not a living entity. And when you see that, you can easily move through it. And the more you move through it, the stronger the limiting belief starts to melt because you start yeah. to see, wow, I'm in control of this success. And the success is really small. It's incremental. But again, as I say, we in our country, and I don't know, I'm just saying America because I live in America. I don't know what the relationship to these this topic is in India or Pakistan or wherever. I just know here in America, we show the end results of people who have gone through probably their limiting beliefs. You hear these stories all the time. Right. In the beginning, right. I did this, I did that, I didn't believe because we show the end results and the end results can really challenge your limiting belief. You look at somebody who's really successful and you say, I can't do that. We don't show that person sitting in a dark room with a light, a candlelight, a pen and a piece of paper, writing their novel, writing epic poetry, creating, yep. you know, when you hear about Steve Jobs and Wozniak in the garage, creating Apple, these things always start small. And it's easy to start small to challenging a limiting belief than to think big and have the limiting belief say, there's no way you can fucking do that. And I think it's important to recognize that as soon as our listeners recognize and have this system of recognition relative to that limiting belief, this is where a lot of people get confused. Just like you yeah. talked about, if the head's in the clouds because you're flying through the crowd, you, cloud, you thought the cloud was real, and then you realize, hey, the cloud is not real. It can confuse you because you're in this cloud and you can't see what's going on around you. But as soon as you move through the cloud, you then have clarity. And so once the limiting belief is gone, this is what I want you to do. I want you to write down right next to whatever that fixed mindset or that limiting belief was, I want you to write down an empowering belief, something that moves you forward. Think about that word for a second. Empower, create from within, build an internal empire or power. You see, I think empower and empire are similar words because they have similarities in this process. To empower oneself means that you have built an empire internally of beliefs that are so strong, that are so powerful, and the, the, the gates are just wide open. You now, after having dismantled your beliefs, 
Little by little, incremental steps, you will empower yourself to build an empire of success. Now, if you do that, if you take that limiting belief and on the opposite side of the paper, you write an empowering mindset, the final thing you need to do is take some sort of action. Do something to get there. There's this idea that you got to fake it till you make it. That is a garbage idea. If you want to get smarter, you don't think about or fake getting smarter. You go read one page of a book. That's getting smarter. Then tomorrow, read another page. If you want to learn a language, you learn one word today. That's learning a language. If you want to get in better shape, do 10 push-ups right now and then do 10 more tomorrow. Whatever it is, just do it. There's no need to fake. Fake is external. Making it is internal. So whatever you've written down as your empowering belief, go take action on it as soon as this episode is over and then let us know what you're doing. We really want to hear from you. What was your experience like? Um, shoot us a message. You know, Find us on Instagram. Send us a, a direct message. I would love to hear what your experience is. Also, I'd love to hear if you like content like this. This, this is a totally different episode than what we've ever done before. Would you like more episodes like this where we walk you through a process of evolution or maybe we bring a guest on to walk you through a process process of evolution. Send us your send us your feedback. We would love to help uh, in any way that we can. We build this content that we put out on our own dime. This is something that uh, neither Miles nor I gets paid to do. Uh, we just started the podcast uh, a year and a half ago because we had a passion for personal growth and evolution and talking to interesting people. And so we wanted to put this out there to help people. And so we hope that it's helpful and we would love to hear from you on what your experience is. Well, Miles, thanks for going through this with us tonight and thanks for your insights. I think they've been, uh, uh, you, 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 as always, you bring great insights that our listeners are gonna um, take away. Uh, but I do wanna throw one final question at you. Um, uh -oh. You know, we ask this question to all of our guests. And so even though you're not my guest tonight, uh, you went through the process. But I'm going to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests. So at Evolve, we believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard, just consistent. Right. So relative to limiting beliefs, Miles, what is the most important habit that you would like our listeners to build? Is, is think small and stay consistent. I love that. Just think small, really small, and stay consistent. If you the small do that, things make the big things. I will guarantee you, I will guarantee that you will see success. Yep. It's just think small, <clears throat> go small, think really small, and stay super consistent. You know, create, create if you want to create a really great habit create a time that you are going to think small and stay consistent, whatever topic it is, whatever topic, it could be anything. It could be a political belief, right? Where you say like, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. I wanna investigate um, the opposite of what I am. And you go and you read a little bit about it. Five minutes, same place every day. 
see what happens. If it's mathematics, mm-hmm. if it's a language, if it's music, if it's cooking. Yep. If it's cooking. I mean, you know, that one of the interesting things is, is that, which is so ironic in this time of misinformation, is that the world's historical and present day knowledge is at our fingertips. We can learn everything. It might be one of the reasons why times are so chaotic is because people are overwhelmed with the massive amounts of information that they have access to and are afraid to access because it's overwhelming. It literally is overwhelming. I have days where I am numb because my desire to learn is so large and the amount of information that I can learn, it is right at my fingertips. And sometimes I just say, I'm going to go back to bed. It's just too overwhelming. <laughs> but we, we we have never lived in a time like this. You know, information historically has been for elites and the church. Yeah. But now it's at our fingertips. Right. And so if we can Everybody calm down, has access to it. Everybody has access to it. You can settle down. You can learn architecture, architecture, art politics, whatever. You can challenge your own set of beliefs. But if you stay consistent and do it in small increments, marginal gains, that fucker will grow. And you'll look up whatever it a is. Year later, it's going to grow. Two years later, and you'll and you'll literally be amazed at look what I built. Look what I did. Look what I did. So, again, Think incrementally and stay consistent. Think small. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. We want to thank uh, you, our listeners, for listening in and going on this journey with us. Uh, Miles, say thanks for the conversation and thanks for going on the journey with our uh, our listeners today. Uh, I think we've had a great conversation. Yeah, and and I hope that this is something that our listeners can take away and utilize as a tool and a technique. And I think like Miles said earlier, this is one tool. It's one technique. It's certainly not the entire uh, uh, toolkit that you're going to need to continue to evolve your life, but it is one tool, one process that you can use to start to break some of your limiting beliefs, create a visualization that you can then use multiple times to break through and little by little chip away and truly start to evolve. Now, remember, it does take time and consistency to evolve, but first you have to disrupt. But now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve Podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.